All right, going live, going live on Blab, and uh, also going to kick it live on Bearscope too. What the heck? We got the phone out. We might as well do it up. All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm on Blab, but you know what? I'm also live on Periscope because I know not everybody has Blab installed on their phone, and I don't want them to miss out. So we're going to do both this morning to kick this off. So good morning, my friends. Uh, what is going on? We got a couple people here jumping on the Periscope side of stuff. So I just want to give a quick shout out to my boy Kevin Campbell, my dude Kevin McCarthy, my man Matt Raymond, my brother from another mother, Jeremy Lewis. What's up? What's up? Tim Earl's in the house. What? What? Man, what a bunch of cool cats. Good to have you guys on board. Listen, I'm also live on Blab here. So stoked, stoked, stoked to get this party started. And, uh, Let's see, let's see, let's see. We have Frank Lopes, Will McCormick, Ryan Girardi, all subscribed to the Blab to jump in. What up, Jeremy Lewis? So let's talk about goal setting here. It's 9.45. Your time is important, and uh, I want to make sure that I 100% respect it. So we're going to get this kicked off. GK Melvin in the house on Blab. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Good to see you. So listen, let's talk about why most of the time uh, goal setting fails, right? I mean, here's the reality. Um, a lot of people struggle with setting goals. Good to have you, Ryan Girardi. Thanks for jumping on board in the Blab, bro. Uh, and you as well, Melvin. So so let's talk about why why most goals fail and uh, and, and how to really overcome this. Because it's a, it's a challenge that a lot of people have, right? Um, folks are setting goals and then they're not hitting them. They're getting discouraged. Uh, and so then they, they set their goals differently. They set them lower. They set them weaker. They set them, sometimes they set them huge, huge, huge. And so we've got to figure out why, why do so many people set goals that are failing and, and how do we get that fixed? So, um, what I want to do this morning is I just want to make it very, very quick, very easy and uh, let you get back to work and let you get back to properly putting together a plan so that you can, uh, you can really set quality goals. Um, and for those that don't know, I'm also doing this live on Blab. So, uh, Melvin, it's, it, what that does is it's giving you a chance to call in when you click on that. Um, and then you can actually interact and dialogue with it. And, um, I will, We'll do that in just a moment. So there you go. Um, so that's the difference between Blab and Periscope. What I'd like to do is start shifting a lot of stuff from Facebook and Periscope to Blab because I'd really like to uh, let people that are viewing join the conversation and be part of the dialogue in the future. So, so let's talk about why goals fail. The number one reason why goals are failing is because, and you may want to write some of these down, the number one reason why most uh, people fail at setting goals is because they don't really have a benchmark for why they're setting the goals that they have. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you have goals set? If you do, um, if you're on uh, Periscope, if you if you actually set goals every month, tap the screen, uh, tap on the screen and, uh, and, and uh, show some hearts that you're a goal setter, somebody who actually sets goals for yourself every month. If you're on Blab, click the little high five hands. Uh, if you're somebody who has you know been in the habit of setting goals for yourself and been in the practice of doing that. Okay. So nobody on the Periscope um, is, is, is setting goals for themselves, uh, but a couple of people on the Blab are. So, oh, oh, there we go. There we go. Just took a minute for the firm to kick in. Okay. So, Jeremy, you're a goal setter. So here's the thing. Um, a lot of times we're setting goals, but I would challenge you and I would ask you this. What are your goals based on? 
Now, when I ask that to most folks, and feel free to type in the comments section what you base your goals on, but when I ask a lot of people, you know, what are you setting your goals based on? Uh, you know, what determines what goals you set? And usually it's, well, I've got X amount of bills to pay or I've got X that I want to do for vacation or certain thing I want to buy for myself. So that's how I set my goals. And those aren't necessarily bad ways to set them, but there's a challenge here. How are you benchmarking? So let's say you decide today you want to buy a new Harley Davidson, right? You want to go buy a new Harley. It's going to be twenty-five, $30,000. Um, what's going to change your income, $25,000 or $30,000? How are you going to get there? What, what makes that a logical goal to set other than I want? Now, what I learned a long time ago was that there's a difference between real goals and what are called hope to goals. And so the reason that most people are setting hope to goals uh, or goals that are just because I want is because they don't have an actual benchmark. So let's start with this, okay? If most of our goals are failing because we have nothing to base them on, we are just setting them on stuff that we want. Or um, if you're running, let's say, a business, you're going, well, last year we did, you know, 10 million in revenue. And this year we really want to do 20 million. So that's what our goal is. Well, what the heck? What's going to change? It's going to double the value. What's going to change? It's going to give you double the revenue, perhaps nothing. Right. So we've got to say, how do we set a realistic and achievable goal? What do we do? Well, step one is this. For the next 90 days, for the next 90 days, three months, I want you to just track your activities. Now, I'm going to give you the activities to track, so you may want to write these down. And Periscope, Jeremy, Matt, are you both still on there? If you are, just tap the screen, share some hearts so that it pops up. For the next 90 days, I want to encourage you, thank you, perfect, to just track your activities. Now, what activities do you track? Here they are. Number one activity to track is handshakes. Number two activity to track is demonstrations of your product. Number three activity to track is write-ups. How many times do you actually present figures to people? Number four activity to track is how many yeses you get, closed, right, verbally closed, on paper closed. And number five activity to track is when the customer actually takes the product home, call it a delivery. So handshakes, demos, uh, presenting figures, getting a yes, and actually taking delivery of your product. Those five activities. Now you want to track those over the next 90 days. Now I'm not saying don't keep your, you know, setting a goal for yourself, you know, set a realistic achievable goal, you know, for a little growth, whatever, but don't beat yourself up on that until after this 90 days when you can actually set goals the right way. So for the next 90 days, you're going to track those five areas. Now, why would we track those five areas? Because we're going to use that math to set some goals that actually work. Now, Ghetto slideshow. Here we go. Okay. So, for example, let me share some math. If you shake 50 hands and that results in 40 demos of your product, which results in 30 write-ups, which results in 20 S's and 10 that are actually sold and delivered, now we have that equation. That's what our average is over that 90-day period. We know 50 handshakes gets me 40 demos. 50 handshakes gets me 30 write-ups. 50 handshakes gets me 20 yeses verbally or written up, or 50 handshakes gets me 10 deliveries. Now, yes, I legitimately – hey, Katie Van Clay, what up, what up, what up? So I legitimately did just say that, uh, yes, this is uh, – what you're going to want to track. So handshakes, demos, write-ups, getting the yes, and then sold and delivered. Okay. So we track those five areas. So let's say over 90 days, these are what your averages are. 
Now what we can do to set our goals, hey, my beautiful girlfriend Deanna's in on Periscope. What's up, gorgeous? So now that we've got a, a benchmark, right, from tracking for 90 days, now we can honestly start setting realistic, achievable goals for growth, for improvement, for getting better. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Let's say you, you get 10 deliveries of your product based on those other numbers that you tracked, okay? So based on those other numbers that you tracked, so remember the five areas that we're tracking, handshakes, product presentation, right, demo, handshakes, demo, and then what? Writing them up, presenting figures. Then the next thing is getting a yes, you know, a verbal or written yes. And then the next thing is the customer actually taking delivery of the product. So those are the five areas that we track. So we've tracked it for 90 days. Once we've got a realistic benchmark to work from, now we say, okay, let's say you sell 10 products a month and you go, I want to sell 15. Okay, well, then all we have is a simple math problem, right? We want 50% improvement in the end result, the delivered amount. So to sell 15, instead of shaking 50 hands, I could shake 75. Now, I'm... Some of this is going to require some skill improvement, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But just from a simple math perspective, if I sell 10 and I want to sell 15, and, and I've tracked it, so if 50 gets me 10, i got to shake 75 hands to get 15. Simple. Simple math. If if I know that, what, that, that, that 40 demos, 40 demonstrations of my product delivers me 10, well, if I do 60 demonstrations, I'll deliver 15. See where I'm going with this, right? If I know that uh, 30 write-ups gets me 10 deliveries, then all I need is 45 write-ups to get 15. If I know that 30 yes or 20 yeses uh, gets me 10 deliveries, then I need 30 yeses. Now you might say, but Matt, how, how do I get more of these though? Okay, so I know how to set my goals. First, I got to track for 90 days and figure out what the math really is in those five areas. Then I could just do a simple math problem, but, but how do I get in front of more people? Well, listen, your dealership or your company, your business spends X dollars on advertising. You may or may not be able to control that. So if you want to improve the amount of hands that you shake, if you want to increase that number, the first thing you're going to have to do is maybe get better at prospecting. What does prospecting mean? Well, that's a whole nother blab, a whole nother periscope that we can do. But for example, prospecting could be picking up the phone, reaching out every 90 days or let's say every six months to your current client base saying, hey, this is Matt. I was just giving you a call, Melvin. Wanted to take a moment to update my records. How many drivers in the house? How many vehicles? Of oh, the drivers, who's next? Oh, I didn't mean right now, I meant down the road. Oh, when you say down the road, a week, month, or year or more. There are different ways to prospect, okay? But what I'm saying is, if you want to shake more hands, you've got to prospect. Now, everything besides that, every single thing besides, pro besides in increasing handshakes, okay? Increasing handshakes, comes from prospecting. Everything else comes from improving skill, which means practicing more. So you want to get more people in the demo drive. If you go, okay, I shake 50 hands and it gets me 40 people behind the wheel of my, my product, then maybe I go, well, geez, why did 10 people not drive it? And maybe I need to role play. Maybe I need to practice. Maybe I need to get somebody else with me and practice uh, transitioning from greeting them, building rapport, and getting to know them into testing the product. But maybe that's not really the problem. Maybe that gap is there for a reason and it's never going to get better than that gap of, of a 20% difference. So I go, hmm. Well, between, I have between 60 people demoing my product, I'm only writing up, uh, or, or excuse me, between, um, 40 people demoing my product, uh, I'm only writing up 30 of them. So why did 10 people ride in my product and then go, man, I don't want to see figures? Is there something wrong that I'm doing in my pr product presentation? 
or am I transitioning wrong to the figures or do they just not like the product? See, everything other than handshakes is a skill set improvement. How do we improve our skills? Well, we role play, we practice, we drill, we rehearse. Now you can do some of this while you're driving your car. What up, Kevin Campbell being back in the house? Some of the stuff to do skill improvement you can do from your car, right? The prospecting part you could do, you can pick up the phone, you can call people on your way to work, things like that, but it's kind of early. But in all those five areas, from handshakes to demos to write-ups to yes to delivery, handshakes relies on prospecting. If you want to shake more hands, you got to prospect better, you got to, or you got to do a better job of taking phone ups, whatever it is. But really, if you want to be in control of it, you got to become a better prospector. But when it comes to getting people to take demo drives, getting people transitioned to the write-up, getting people to say yes, those are all practicing. The demo drive, practice with somebody, role play at your, at your office, at your dealership, wherever you are, whatever business you're in, to say, hey, you know, let me practice building report, investigating to learn your wants, needs, and desires. Let me practice transitioning you into a product demonstration. From the demonstration to the write-up, it shouldn't be that hard if they like the product. Typically, when you're coming back from a test drive or when you're just about wrapping up the product, I always like to use what I call a summary close, which is three uh, affirming questions followed by a simple uh, either-or to, to, to see if they're in a, a position where they feel like it's the right product. So I might say something like, um, really drives nice, doesn't it? They say, yeah. And you did say that uh, black was your favorite color, right? They say, yeah. And it has all the equipment that you need, um, you know, based on what you told me earlier. Uh, this is really going to fit all your needs for those family vacations, isn't it? They say, yeah. Well, gosh, it sounds like we found the perfect vehicle. By the way, are we putting in one name or both? If they say one, they've mentally decided they're buying the car. If they say both, they mentally decided they're buying. Now, does it really mean they're going to take delivery? Not necessarily. They haven't seen the figures. They haven't been given all the info. But it's a good way to find out. And here's the thing, when you get back from demo, demoing or when you get done demonstrating your product, all you have to say is, uh, now I'll go ahead and get you the rest of the info so you can make a well-informed decision. At the beginning of any product presentation, you know, when you're meeting people, you get to know them, you're building rapport, we should always say to people, listen, before you leave today, I'm going to give you all the info you need to, to make a well-informed decision. Grant Cardone taught that back in the 90s and it's still just as valuable and just as powerful today. It doesn't matter what you sell, whether it's a car, a boat, a house, anything. Hey, folks, listen, today, before you go home, I'm going to give you everything you need to be able to make a well-informed decision. I'm going to show you the product. I'm going to get you all the figures on uh, leasing, buying, uh, renting, whatever it is. I'm going to get you all that info so that way you've got everything you need to make a good decision. Does that sound okay? Customer says, yes. Now, after we've demonstrated our product, now I'm going to do what I promised you earlier, folks. I'm going to get you the figures and everything so that you guys have all the info you need. Come on in. Let's do this. Boom. It's not hard. Okay? But if you're not used to doing that, if you haven't practiced enough, it could feel hard. Once we've presented them the figures, if we did a good job of listening and we know their situation, we know, uh, have an idea what they're wanting to do, we know that they've done plenty of research, then when we present figures, all we do is show them the options and ask them which of those options works best. It isn't rocket science. Listen, a lot of people talk about closing. Um, Grant wrote a really great book called The Closer's Survival Guide, which is in my office somewhere. Um, yeah, it's somewhere in the pile of books and things. Closer's Survival Guide is a solid book. But here's the thing, when it comes to closing, you're not going to get someone to buy a product that they don't already want, or at least already have some inkling towards, right? You can't force someone into buying it. If you can, it means that they really were in a weak position, and it also means you're a dick, right? You never want to force someone into buying a product. Selling isn't trying to force someone into a product they don't need. Sell, selling is helping someone get a product that they do want. And they do, or they do need, right? Um, most people buy it a want, not need. But selling is helping somebody get the product that they already want and showing them a way to make it work. 
That's what you do. You serve people and serving them the best way possible is helping them accomplish their goal. What was their goal when they came in to go home in a, in a better product than what they have? That's what selling is. It's not rocket science. So to get better at closing, you've got to get better at the other stuff. Asking good questions at the beginning, listening well, so you can present the right product. Closing is nothing more than giving people an opportunity to say yes. Objection handling is overcoming some of the concerns and then you close again by giving them another chance to say yes. Now, if you've got a big gap between people that say yes and people that actually take delivery, then there's a high likelihood that you're high pressuring people into saying yes and then they're just trying to say yes to escape and that's why they're not actually taking delivery of your product. So to recap why goal setting fails and how to fix it, here we go. Number one reason goal setting fails is because we aren't setting realistic goals because we've never actually written a benchmark because we've never tracked what we're doing now. So we've got to track the activities and see what results they yield. So what activities do we track? Takes product demonstrations, uh, presenting figures, yes, that we get an actual product deliveries. Boom, those five areas. Once we for how long? 90 days, right? 30 days is a month, 60 gives you an idea, 90 is a trend. So we track them for 90 days. Once we track for 90 days, then we figure out the math problem that we have. We say, okay. Oh, one thing, of course, that I did leave out is this. You also want to track your average commission sale, right? So that you know. So if you sell 10 products, you make $600 per product sold, you okay, $1,000 a month based on selling 10 products a month. So if you say, I want to make 90 thousand now we know we've got a math problem to solve no big deal so if you're 50 hands to get 40 demos 30 write-ups 20 yeses 10 deliveries we can get 75 shakes we'll get us what it'll bump us up to 15 deliveries or 60 product demonstrations will bump us up to that 15 deliveries 45 write-ups will bump us up or 30 people saying yes will bump us up to 15 deliveries. we delivered half the people that say yes which by the way would say that's the biggest area of improvement that we need. That's it. Goal setting isn't that hard. All we have to do is track 90 days, not beat ourselves up, and then figure out how to solve a math problem. That's it. By the way, don't use new math because new math sucks. Use math. It works a lot better. I want to say thank you to those couple folks, uh, Katie Van Clay, Melvin, Ryan Girardi. Thanks for jumping on for the first time that, that we rolled it out. My girlfriend, Deanna. Uh, Matt Raymond, Jeremy Lewis, thanks for jumping on the Periscope this morning. I didn't do it on Facebook, but I should probably live stream too for the folks that missed it so they can jump in. But I want to say thanks again for tuning in, and now go make your day amazing.